This is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. Jeremy, happy yes. New happy New Year, Chris. It's 2022 and we've oh, conquered man. It, COVID, the it's pandemic so is 2022. Over. Everything is perfect. Yes, everything exactly. is back to normal. Oh, nothing terrible happened in December. I mean, it just the list goes on. Yeah, um, yeah. If you can't tell, we're <laughs> we're joking. There's obviously lots of stuff that is still not right with the world. Um, Sky is Jeremy, still I, falling. <laughs> <laughs> and don't look up to you know, drop a nice pop culture nope. reference in there. If you're don't look up. Um, but Jeremy, I do hope that Christmas and New Year's was great for your family and your congregation. Was it all good? It was all good. It was really great. And the best part of it of it was uh, uh, the first Sunday in January, which is also known as Associate Pastor Sunday, was <laughs> <laughs> I, I was preaching and uh, we had a substitute everybody um, and they decided that since there wasn't somebody to lead the singing, that they would leave my microphone on, on the live stream so that people could hear my the nightmare. words. This is yeah, my nightmare. So it was, it was, I got a text afterwards from our senior pastor, like, man, that was gutsy. You have a really good singing voice. And I was like, what? Oh, <laughs> okay. That, that happened. <laughs> that, that is not the text I would have gotten from my senior pastor. I would have gotten, uh, hey, we want people to stay in worship. I don't know why they left your mic. <laughs> but way to go for yeah. making a joyful noise and hanging yourself. <laughs> um, today for the Youth Worker Recharge, we are continuing our um, kind of process of moving through the crash courses in youth ministry. Mm -hmm. I will make sure to go ahead and put the links to where those can be downloaded for free. Um, but we're starting off on trips and retreats, right? Like it's, oh, it's yeah. January. Um, if you're doing some calendaring and you're in the youth ministry world, if you haven't already figured out like what your summer stuff is starting to look like, you are getting right. into that planning mode for trips and retreats for the summertime. So that's where we figured we'd start. There's There's really three kinds of youth worker planners. Right. There's the ones who are planning summer after the next summer, after the previous summer is over. Yeah. Like a full right? year in advance. Right. Yeah. Then there is what I would say is most of the youth pastors I know that are like six months out, which is the January planning of the summer. And then there's the, the people that the people who frustrate everybody who are planning summer in summer <laughs> basically uh so we're we're gonna hope if you were if you were the first group of people this will help you um as you are right now planning for next fall um <laughs> if you're in the second group of people we're talking about summer if you're in the third group of people you should also be talking about summer so uh let's just pull you back into the into the mainstream here <laughs> yeah I and and if I had to guess about the distribution, it's probably like a bell curve, right? Like, it's, right. it's like 20, 20 60, people, 20. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like that. Um, so yeah, if you're on either end of this, honestly, it's going to be helpful for you anyway. Um, yep. So trips and retreats, like for a long time, have been like a cornerstone of a lot of youth ministries, right? right. Um, and and if you well. go back, we call them pilgrimages. 
right? Sure. If you keep going back, trips and retreats were a part of our faith for a long time. Yeah, yeah, a long, long time. And, and part of that is because they are like a dedicated time away, right? I, yeah. I know that, that we have this ongoing conversation about the busyness of youth and the busyness of families and how difficult it is to kind of crack into having a decent set of spiritual practices or discipleship practices, yep. uh, or honestly, even be able to form like deep relationships when you're seeing youth for an hour a week or right. for two hours a week. And so right. it is very tempting for youth leaders and for churches to offer retreats um, just packaged as this extra time away. Right. Um, and yet in your planning, I, I really want to make sure that youth leaders and churches know why they're offering the experience, Right. Chris, it's really clear why we're offering the experience because we offered it last year. Exactly. And the year before that. And then there was this really good youth pastor that we wish we still had. And he's the one who started it. Yeah. So we're really doing it because he started it. (laughs) (laughs) Which if you've got like a list of the reasons to continue putting the energy into these things, that's probably like the lowest possible. Yeah. None, None of those actually are really great reasons. Yeah, because really, I mean, you know, putting together a trip or a retreat or any sort of dedicated time away is a little bit of extra effort on the church's part, extra effort Mm -hmm. on the youth leader's part. It's going to take extra hours. Um, You're setting yourself up in a situation where, you know, really you're going to be on the clock 24 hours a day, right? Because you are responsible for the participants that are with you, whether it's 24 hours, 72 hours or longer, um, yep. And so it, it takes a lot of dedicated time and energy. And so you, you got to know why you're offering this thing. Yeah. And, you know, and the other thing that I, I think youth workers don't always think about is whenever you are going on a, re- a trip or retreat, you're also engaging in something that has a higher level of risk. Absolutely. Um, there's a higher level of risk for, um, you know, all the sort of, safe sanctuaries, health and safety concerns. There's a higher level of risk. You're travel, you're generally traveling on roads and vans with, with unruly teenagers. And, and, and that's it's not an inconsequential thing to consider. Like if we're going to take on the additional risk, I mean, it really does need to have some meaning to it, right? Some purpose to it. Yeah. And, and it's got to have a meaning and a purpose that will take place during the event itself. But then also you, you have to be forward thinking enough to say this, this experience is going to build value or it's going mm-hmm. to equip my participants with this amount of knowledge or these relationships so that two months later, when we're tackling the next tough topic, everybody can look back on the relationships and the discussion mm-hmm. and, and the framework that we put together during this time away so that it, it just feeds and informs and strengthens everything I'm going to try to do after. Um, just because right. it's a time away doesn't mean you you don't bring back the lessons and the relationships and the knowledge from that time away. Right. And so I think, you know, what most youth workers begin when they think about this next retreat is they sort of begin with a brainstorming session, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you, the best brainstorms are not done by yourself. Right. Absolutely. And also here's a thing that I learned. Um, There's a really great book that every youth worker should read. It's called Quiet. It's by Susan Cain. It's the hidden power of introverts. And um, a lot of youth workers I know are not introverts. And um, 
And so that's really helpful. But one of the things that's interesting that I got from that book and from the sort of subsequent research I did after I finished that book um, is brainstorming when done in a super loud, unruly way, it's the worst for introverts. And introverts have some of the best ideas because they're the most well thought out. They're like, you know, not just word vomiting. And so, um, so one of the things that I found, um, or, or that I learned was that, um, to start brainstorming in a quiet way, <laughs> ask everybody to make their own lists on pieces of paper or, you know, three by five court cards or sticky notes, however you want, but go ahead and make it. A, no, nobody's going to say anything out loud right now. We're going to make a list of whatever it is that we're brainstorming about, right? Uh, games, why we do this, whatever it is. And then we allow people to share those things, which gives the introverts, especially time to process and think and not feel like they're, they're never getting time for their brain to spin up. That's a really great point. Um, and you might have to repeat the title of that book and the author so I can put it in the Quiet comments. by Quiet. Susan Kane. It Quiet. is brilliant. Awesome. Um, one of the other ways that uh, a couple of other ways I've kind of helped brainstorm, especially for those kids that don't just jump in and yell at the very beginning. Um, mm -hmm. if, if you do a quick Google of mind mapping, um, mm -hmm. that is another nice, quiet way to be able to brainstorm where basically everybody gets um, uh, sticky notes, those little post-it notes, and you write one idea per post-it note. And then after a certain amount of quiet time where everybody's written down their ideas on these post-it notes, then you start to group those post-it notes together in related bunches, right? And then you can look at themes that tie together the ideas from those post-it notes or those sticky notes, stick them all up on a wall or a, a big piece of white paper. And then you can also start to make connections between the groups. Okay. So like people really care about doing something related to, um, well, let's say poverty, right? Like poverty is a big issue. So we have all these different ideas about poverty that ends up linking to everything. Um, and then let's say we also have some people that care a lot about um, improving like connection to God. And so we got this connection to God pile. And then the next part of that mind mapping brainstorm exercise is to figure out what that link is. So what, what is the word or what's the phrase or what's the scripture that could help link this need that we have for addressing poverty in our community and this need within our group to have a deeper connection with God. And from that, you end up being able to build themes and be able to pull apart devotions and those kinds of things as well. Right. And I think that's the, the biggest thing that we're trying to, to say here is the brainstorming that you do at the beginning of this planning process is not about where you're going or what game you're playing, right? The beginning brainstorming is about why we're doing this. Um, because if you don't start with the why, you just end up doing stuff because you're doing it and you miss out on the on the bigger thing. And so the the brainstorming why is um is important. And so I think it's sort of twofold. And Chris, you alluded to this right at the beginning, right? It's what are we trying to happen? What's the why? What is the win for the retreat itself? Right. You you gave two great things like poverty and spiritual formation. 
right? It, and maybe that's the pair for we want students to understand or engage with these two with poverty in a sense of spiritual formation. There's that, but then there's this sort of why that is in the bigger context of your youth ministry. So you've got this weekend that you can you can leverage um, to uh, to do something um, for your. It might be create. Um, uh, it might be create uh, different uh, um, relationships, deeper relationships. It could be that you want students to be ex- getting a good positive experience of small groups, or maybe your maybe your students are in so many different schools that you just really need them to know each other. I don't know. There's lots of different reasons. Making sure you have both of those in mind when you're doing this retreat. Yeah, I, I completely agree because knowing why you're offering it, like say some it's some of those big picture things. I've got a, a youth ministry with multiple schools and my, my youth don't know each other and they don't know their volunteers either. Um, mm-hmm. Knowing why you're offering something allows it to take the shape of what you decide to offer, right? You might have in your mind at the beginning that this needs to be a three-day retreat. Um, But as you work through that, why you say, you know what? I could actually do two or three of these things during our regular programming. And I don't need to have this time away for that. So this retreat can become something else. Or uh, if it's something like, you know, I I need to really develop my leadership, right? Like I've got my youth leadership team and they're just coming into... The first time that they're being asked to do some big things. So, you know what? I actually, I'm going to take four days with them because here's the things that I need to to lay out and go through with them. And that is going to take the the amount of time it's going to take. So that why conversation informs the shape of what you're going to offer. And then it also affects, you know, how you're going to attack it, right? Am I going to go to a retreat facility, right? Am I going to use one of the awesome camp and retreat ministry facilities that's out there? Um, Yeah. Am I going to lean on a congregation member who's got uh, like a cabin or a house right. or something that they're going to let us stay in? Uh, or if, if it's service oriented, there's those like short-term mission trip kind of things as well that mm-hmm. range anywhere between being two days to seven days and sometimes even longer. Right. Um, and knowing that you're giving the right amount of time to accomplish the why that you set out in the beginning is a really, really big deal. Absolutely. Which I think then leads us to the next big question because the the in order to promote this kind of thing you need to know the date <laughs> right and you need to know the cost right yep uh and uh so so the date and cost also deal with where you're having it obviously uh, because that's one of the big expenses but that's a uh, the budgeting is is you know basic rough budgeting is something that has to be done really right on the heels of that of that brainstorming and, and selecting some of those biggest elements, right? Yeah, exactly. And you know, we would cover some of this probably in the uh, administration crash course that we mm-hmm. haven't hit on yet for our our podcast purposes. Um, but when you're doing a budget, uh, you need something to be able to break even most of the time, yep. right? Uh, and if you are at churches like the churches where I served, you probably don't have all the budget money in the world to be able to pull this right. off. So you are going to ask families to pay extra mm-hmm. in order mm-hmm. to participate in these things. So right. doing faithful budgeting is super important. It starts with uh, your logic. 
costs, right? Like that's the simplest thing, usually the biggest expense. What is it going to yep. cost to sleep people? What is it going to cost to feed people for this experience? Mm-hmm. Um, am I uh, having people sleep in their own rooms or am I able to sleep two or three or four, or is it a cabin with bunks or, you know, what's that deal? Yeah. But uh, break it down to a per person cost so that as you're yeah. doing your budgeting, um, you know exactly how much you are going to ask a family to chip in in order to break even and not lose money doing the retreat. Um, and, you know, also try to stay accessible, right, to your families, yeah. because you uh, may need to be able to have scholarship funds available. Um, mm-hmm. It's a real shame, you know, if if a family could not afford to be able to participate in a weekend, um, you would not want that youth to miss out on the experience because of cost. So part of your Absolutely. budgeting is paying attention to what you're asking a family to kick in, and what your scholarships might look like for the event as well. Right. And I think that's the, the other piece is to think about your adults. So yeah. I, it has been my general habit to say adults don't pay. And um, if an adult pays, they back, they're just scholarshipping a kid. So our equation is usually let's get the entire cost of the retreat. Let's subtract whatever budget money we've set aside for making this happen, you know, out of the budget. Mm -hmm. And then we divide that, that net amount, um, by the number of students we expect to attend rather than the number, the total number of people so that the students are supporting the cost for the adults. Um, and when you do that, it, it makes it just a lot easier to recruit people because you're not saying, can you take vacation time and give me a thousand dollars, right? <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, right? It's helpful. The and then there are, pe- there are adults that will pay and you just you scholarship kids. And, and so if you don't have a scholarship fund or if you don't have a way to do scholarships, you do the same kind of thing, right? Uh, you say, well, I'm going to build in four scholarships. So it's the total amount of the retreat minus the budget that you have for it divided by the students minus the number of scholarships that you're going to provide. Yeah. And, and that recognition that adults are paying in other ways uh, is really goes a long way when you're like yep. keeping those relationships up with your volunteers. Um, <laughs> you know, another one for me that uh, always factored into the planning was the travel piece itself, right? Like, yep. What's the mileage? What's the fuel going to cost? Um, but even before I got there, it was like, okay, what vehicles are at my disposal? Um, yeah. Does my church have a van or a mm-hmm. bus or that sort of thing? Um, because every vehicle that you add ends up adding more cost, right? Like if I have a right. church van that seats 12 people, um, I know I can fit 12 people in luggage in there. If my retreat goes above 12 people, then I'm either needing to rent a vehicle or I'm going to need to ask one of those awesome volunteer adults to drive one of their own vehicles um, and include the fuel for that person's vehicle in your cost Mm -hmm. as well, right? Like do not expect just because an adult is volunteering their time that they're also not only, you know, going to pay for the weekend, but also then have to pay for the fuel in their car and the wear and tear, that kind of stuff. Be ready and willing to offset the mileage or, or pay fuel for them. If you're using vehicles that are not your church vehicles. Yeah. And one of the things that I discovered along the way is when I'm communicating a limited amount of seats that are available, Mm 
Mm-hmm. We actually don't, we never phrased it as a limited number of seats. We always phrased it as a limited number of seat belts. It's a great point. Right. And so we say, we oh, sorry, we have 30 seat belts available. And, uh, and when you phrased it that way, people were like, oh, oh, right. This is a safety, <laughs> it's a safety issue. We can't just cram another kid in the van or whatever. And, you know, some buses and vans don't actually have seat belts, but we phrased it in terms of seat belts. And we actually, when we shifted that, that helped us sometimes with people say, oh, oh, well, we, I'll drive. I, that's, that's fine. I, I can drive. Um, because they wanted their kid to have a seatbelt. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, a couple other budgeting places that I know um, can sort of be surprises or, or can eat up some money um, and you should plan for, um, definitely are like your supplies for the retreat. Um, if you need to be able to have stuff to do games or um, you're gonna do like prayer partner boxes or you need art supplies or any of those kind of things, build that in and again, distribute it amongst your paying group. Um, that's mm-hmm. going to be part of the experience itself. Um, I'm trying to think of, of just a couple other ones. Oh, shirts. What, what's your stance on like swag for a retreat or a trip? Uh, yeah. So we, we love to give stuff away and we build that into the price t-shirt for sure. You know, for most, for a, I should say for a longer trip, we do a t-shirt <clears throat> and, uh, and we've done things like, <clears throat> One time we, we it was a winter retreat, so we gave everybody like warm mugs, and we had a coffee, like a, a hot chocolate bar that was always there as a fun little feature of that specific one. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's my swag. I, I think that the swag for retreats doesn't need to be over the top, but a little something can be really is really important to help them remember it because I I think leaving little artifacts of what happened in their world so that they're reminded of it um, later when they get back is is really helpful. Oh yeah, and and I agree with building it into the budget so that everybody gets one. Like don't don't make it an option that only some people will buy into, right? Like it's just part of the deal. If you're on this trip or you're on this retreat, this is the shirt or the mug or anything you get. Um, you know, this is kind of an aside. This would not be in the crash course, but um, after doing that at my local church for like 10 years, uh, we reached a point where I had a box full of shirts, right? Um, right. We were yes. like trying to figure out what to do with those things. Then we came up it's with the two, extra really two or three shirts from every retreat, right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so um, at my friend's church, they had a really, really active um UMW. And it's not that only UMW could do this. Anybody could have like a a sewing group or a quilting group or anything like that. Um, But my friend's church ended up having a really active uh, sewing group. And so they made quilts out of the, just the logo parts of the uh, trip shirts that we put together. And that Mm, was a lot of fun. So then we, we had like throw blankets almost, right. Yeah. Lived in the youth room Mm -hmm. um, that were stuffed full and a little bit warm, but you know, we're those reminders of the trips in the past. Um, We did the same thing. We sewed the necks and the armholes and the bottom closed and filled them with stuffing and they became pillows. pillows. Yeah. Yeah, T-shirt shaped pillows. Um, the other one that we did was, um, and especially since vinyl is kind of like back and hot again now, but you know, like, uh, album frames that are like the size of a LP record cover. Um, you get those because they're about an inch thick and Mm -hmm. you can fold the shirt inside that Mm -hmm. frame and then you can make a 
art display out of them and you can have like yeah, it's really cool. your framed shirts. So when you put that energy into a retreat, again, it, it it's back to that why. Like mm-hmm. this is part of the community. This is part of who we are. We want these reminders of the lessons that were learned or the relationships that were built and that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. So yeah. Um and of course, uh, we'll we'll pull apart a little bit more of the trips and retreat planning process mm-hmm. in our next week of stuff. Um, right. I, I know that we're definitely going to hit on some of the crash course fundraising ideas, just as a reminder. Yes. If you're doing these extra things, you're going to probably need a little extra money for them. Yep. And you're going to need to recruit some people and invite kids and uh, all of the scheduling of the trip. We're going to dive, dive deep into trip planning coming up next. Again, on any of the pages where the podcast is published, you'll find links to the crash courses in youth ministry that are available from Discipleship Ministries. Um, yeah. yeah. And if you think about it, like it, give it a good review. Those reviews and star ratings um, help other people discover 